My name is Nick Bonanno. I am a producer for the United Wrestling Network and the senior official for the United Wrestling Network. And I'd like to welcome you tonight to a live recording of the United Wrestling Podcast. Uh, my guests tonight are the one of the executive producers for Championship Wrestling from Arizona, Mick Greenwood. Hello. And, of course, uh, one of the lead commentators for Championship Wrestling from Arizona and man who wears many hats in our company, Jeremy McPeak. What's up, guys? As the United brand is, you know, putting out more different content, things like that, I wanted to put a little bit more focus on Arizona um, since that is, it does a very dedicated... Uh, I'd say fan base, maybe a little smaller than the Hollywood one, but definitely one that's becoming much and much more louder. Um, so uh, getting into that, I guess, how how did both of you get involved in championship wrestling from Arizona? I've been a lifelong wrestling fan and uh, I've got a teenage son who's also a big fan. And so he wanted to uh, go out and see a show. I had a mutual friend of uh, Navajo Warrior. And so I uh, wanted to find out um, what it was like to see him wrestle in person. So I took uh, my son out to see a show and, uh, at the Nile Theater. And there, I noticed that there were no tweets or uh, Facebook posts or Instagram posts made about the show that uh, particular day. And that was in uh, three years ago. It was July of 2017. So hmm. I, I reached out and said, hey, do you guys need help with social media? Because um, that's, that's my full-time job. And uh, kind of that's how I got started as a volunteer. Excellent. How did you how did you know Navo Warrior? Uh, we had a mutual friend who mm-hmm. introduced us, and we went out to lunch, and I got to know him, and just thought he was a great guy, and um, so heard that he wrestled here in town, and I'd never seen a, a championship wrestling from Arizona show, or even knew about it, so mm-hmm. uh, wanted to go out and see him in person. Right on. All right, Mick, you have a bit of a different story getting to United. What uh, what is your backstory? Um, so my backstory is, uh, I helped somebody in Boston, uh, write a pilot, uh, for a show that was themed about pro wrestling. And I had been involved in wrestling when I was younger. Uh, it was one of those friend of a friend kind of things. It was attached to a producer out here, uh, who was somebody who had a relationship with Dave. And so that producer said, Hey, why don't you do some research for your role? And I was in the process of moving to Los Angeles. So she set me up to go down and uh, catch a taping of Championship Wrestling from Hollywood, which is where I met Dave. It was a very interesting day um, <laughs> because uh, it was a very typical day at the Ocean View Pavilion. Uh, I just didn't know what a typical day at the Ocean View <laughs> Pavilion was at that point in time. Um, and uh, it was a really interesting day because a number of people didn't show up. So Dave just put me right to work. Uh, so I was there <laughs> to observe. Hey, you. And <laughs> Pretty much. Uh, at one point, Schmo was trying to make me be the backup referee that day, even though I'd never worn stripes. <laughs> wow. Uh, and n- nobody there even knew my name. Um, but uh, he put me in the back and had me uh, produce the refs, uh, which uh-huh. is a job I've gone on to do a whole bunch of times. And it was the day that the ring broke right before the main event between oh, yeah. Rock Ness and PP Ray. Mm-hmm. And they had to uh, change up, uh, they, they changed it to a non, uh, excuse me, to a false count anywhere match. And Dave went out to make the announcement and sit at the announce table. And while he was out there, uh, Adam Pierce and Schmo flipped the finish <laughs> and moved the belt over to PP Ray without telling Dave. Um, wow. And so Dave had, <laughs> Dave had to, um, be like and look at this like while he was on the air um, 
<laughs> and so uh, at the end of the day, I went up to him and was like, hey, uh, it was a real pleasure. I learned a lot. And he looked at me and went, I bet you did. <laughs> uh, so Was that I just a rib on Dave? No, no. Um, I, it was really interesting because uh, Schmo and Adam Pierce were going back and forth. And they were both kind of looking at me to kind of like, you know, like settle the dispute. And I'm just like, oh, no. guys, I, I, I don't, I don't work here. <laughs> like, you know, <laughs> um, I agreed with the reasoning behind it. Um, and I said as much, but I, I remember the look I got from Pierce when I, when I agreed, he looked at me like, why the hell am I asking you? <laughs> like, and so um, I ran into Dave about uh, eight months later when I had finally finished my move from uh from uh boston to la and i ran into him passing out uh championship wrestling from hollywood newspapers outside of staples center at helena mm. cell and we got to talking and shortly thereafter i came down just to hang out be around it i'd had a bunch of tv experience and i showed up and nick bonanno taught me to build the ring and uh, after that, uh, I was building the ring for a few weeks. Something broke in the audio booth. I knew how to fix it. And that was my mm. last day building the ring. Do you know, uh, going back to the Rockness PP race, but uh, do you know what had broken on the ring, if you recall? I believe one of the boards had cracked. Oh, my. Um, right in the middle. Like, they went and stopped, and they, they stomped on it. And, like, you know, there was a divot, like, you sank in. And so um, it was right before the main. And... Mm. Uh, all four guys involved decided that they would go out and do falls count anywhere. Mm -hmm. And Pete ended up with an epic gash above oh, his eye. Yeah. And that it was, uh, it's funny. Like that was how I met Peter Avalon uh, was he basically <laughs> bled on me. And, um, uh, but it was a really amazing ending because when they won, they went up into the rafters and pulled down the PP Ray poster. And that's how it went off the air. Mm. Uh, it's not the P -P -Ray, uh, the Rockness Monsters poster. PP Ray pulled it down. And I just remember like looking at it and going, this is crazy. I can't wait to come back. And mm -hmm. so I did. I'd say, I don't know if you were there for this. It might have been in the time between when you were there the first time and when you came back. But uh, a few months later, um, uh, Peter beat uh, Kevin Martinson for the TV title. And uh, Peter did the same. He went over and ripped uh, Kevin's poster down. And Martinson, to his credit, was like grabbed onto the poster and like just held it. And he showed up at the next TV, like clutching this giant poster of himself, hugging the belt. And so he's hugging this giant poster of him. And there's this, uh, I keep seeing this photo pop up of just uh, him in such, you know, forlorn of the loss of his title while he's so happy in the photo with the title over his shoulder. So maybe that was a recurring uh, theme with them. It was, I think that was in between my first appearance and sort of my permanent joining. But I remember I started following it online pretty closely. So I do remember what you're talking about. Like, I was one of the Patreon subscribers in that interim so that I could keep up with the show. For those who might not, who are the, uh, excuse me, for those who might not know if they're more, more current fans of the Arizona product, the show actually began in the Desert Diamonds Casino in Tucson. We ran there for about a year before switching over to the Nile Theater. Uh, Mick, were, Mick, were you at the Tucson shows before we even, I'm trying to remember. Yeah, I um, I've made it to all but four Arizona mm -hmm. tapings in its history. I was uh, I was one of the four people on the advanced production team who went out for the first one. It was uh, me, Peter, John King, and uh, actually, I guess it was a three-person production team because the fourth person was Eli Drake, and he was just there to hang out. <laughs> so. Right. Now, make the, what was the first show that you worked 
for Arizona actually like producing. I, I think I know what it is. And it was a great story if I'm right, but but do you remember? Yeah. Um, so the first, so um, right uh, the the month before the one year anniversary of uh, championship wrestling mm -hmm. from Arizona, um, we uh, we moved from the Desert Diamond Casino to uh, the Nile Theater where we are now. Um, and uh, right before that one year anniversary, the person who had been the executive producer uh, and writer uh, decided to move on. I uh, was having a kid, getting married, great guy. Angelo did a great job, uh, and then it was just time to pass the torch. So uh, it went over to Peter and I. And the first show that we did was the last show that uh, Angelo booked, which was Cavalcade of Champions. Mm. And uh, it was a really huge event for United because all of the uh, active territories that were participating in United sent uh champions and we just you know there was belts from all over the country being defended uh yeah. and uh dave came down with us and he got really sick and he was supposed to unveil the united uh world heavyweight championship which of course we're we're, we're excited to we're excitedly building toward uh to this day and he uh was supposed to be the one who was supposed to open the show but he was so sick uh, about 10 minutes before we went on the air, he throws his blazer at me and like a button down shirt. So I look like I'm wearing dad's clothes. And he's like, <laughs> you, you do it. You're in charge now. And so uh, I'm, I forgot I was wearing a bandana because it was so hot. And that, and I went out on camera wearing a bandana, which meant for the next year or so, uh, that thing was stuck on my head. Uh, <laughs> And so during uh, the opening segment, we the first thing we did was we installed Peter as the head matchmaker, uh, which basically all story flowed from that. So that was kind of my first day on the job. Are you talking about were you talking about that, Jeremy? Or were you talking I, about having <laughs> that was not the one I was talking about, but I do remember that that was a fun show for sure. <laughs> Maybe it was the oh. first show that you booked. The, the the one that uh, the, when we crowned our first Arizona State champion. <laughs> oh, my. Oh, man. I couldn't tell which of the horrible stories from the beginning. <laughs> like, is he talking about the one where Peter and I had to move the ring four times in a truck that didn't fit by ourselves? Oh, uh, yeah. But no, uh, the <laughs> we booked uh, Alberto Del Rio or El Patron. He was supposed to run. Uh, we had moved over to the Empire Nightclub. We found this awesome old school belt. Uh, and we were going to crown our first champion. We had no belts in Arizona for like the first year and two months. Um, and we found a belt. We decided we were going to have a tournament to crown a champion. And as a big banner uh, feature attraction as part of it, we were going to uh, have Alberto Del Rio uh, wrestle against Killer Cross, who is now carrying a cross. And I think he was Alberto El Patron at the time. Anyway, yeah. Um, he insisted that we go through this other promoter in town, which we did. That promoter decided to run a free Lucha Libre show across the street and didn't draw any tickets for us. Del Rio decided not to come for uh, flu-like uh, symptoms. And he, uh, we had 28 people in the room. But uh, the TV crowd, uh, the, the TV crew shot it really, really well. And we had a really fun meeting backstage beforehand where we just like, look, Tonight, the eyeballs aren't in the room, but they're going to be on TV. And if we make good TV, we'll get to do more. And we did. We made really, really good TV. And despite the fact 
that uh, the banner, uh, you know, the, the main attraction didn't show up. We just went out and we just leveled with the crowd, which is something we've had to do. Like, guys, he's not here. We're going to do our best to entertain you. If you want a re refund at the end of the night, I'll be standing at the door with a stack of money ready to give it back. That has happened three times to us. I've never given any money back despite being willing to. So we have, we have always been able to recover. The, the, the cast and the crew have always been able to put on a show that was worthy of people's tickets. And uh, yeah, that was, so it was a hell of a beginning because <laughs> I couldn't tell which horror story you wanted yeah. to tell. Um, <laughs> two, two parts about that story that I think you missed. Um, one, I, I don't think Alberto had a, had the flu. Didn't he? Didn't he say someone in his family had an emergency or something? And and he recorded a really bad video in Mexico and and then and sent it to us that we posted on social media, saying that he I would uh, he'd be show he'd be showing up at a show soon to make up for it. Yes, yes, and we and, and waiting we are. Um, yeah, but no, I, <laughs> I, I didn't say the flu. I said flu-like symptoms. Which oh, got you, it. You know, got as you know from your time in sports, <laughs> yes, they did something dumb. Right. And I, I'm pretty sure the 28 people in the crowd included all the wrestlers and all of us talent. <laughs> yeah, <my God. laughs> there was about five precursor. or six on one side of the ring, yeah. if I remember right. Yeah, it was a good warm up for COVID wrestling. <laughs> oh, gosh, right. Uh, a small, smaller, but I'd say more forgotten moment or and more forgotten moment from that day, too, is that that show actually marked the uh, United debut of Royce Isaacs. Um, who went on That's to right. be a huge star for us in the later NWA. I remember a thing that really uh, stuck out for me with him was uh, he was a lot of people sometimes if they're first coming in, I'll ask him to do a promo, like to say, who, like, who are you? And he had one, he just rattled it off, you know, put a dollar sign on that, all that. So I was uh, very happy that day, at least for the, knowing that I'd be able to work with Royce again, uh, which we did for quite a while. Yeah, Royce had a strong start that day. Like we we booked him to go uh, pretty deep in the tournament, and he had really strong showings. So much so that we were able to book him strong from there on in. It was like we gave him a chance. He looked, acted, performed the part, and it allowed us to do a lot of stuff with him going forward. I know his travel schedule kept him from getting to Arizona as often as he or we would have liked, but we would have used him every time if we could have got him. So. That was the first time I'd ever seen Cross in person as well. And he, boy, he was impressive. He, we ended up, I'm trying to remember, did we end up putting him, him in there with EJ? At the yeah, last he, man, he tore EJ apart for two seconds. <laughs> it was, uh, I felt, bless EJ's heart. Yeah. I mean, a lot of people, a lot of what ended up happening with the show started in those, uh, in those couple of months because we had gotten a look at EJ a few times, um, Peter and I when uh because he, he had wrestled for us at the at the desert diamond a bunch of times mm -hmm. and we just liked him you know we were just like this there's just nothing not to like about this kid he's a better wrestler every time we see him he's more in shape every time we see him and every time we see him he's even happier than the last time we saw him <laughs> there's just nothing not to love about ej sparks and so we wanted to push him uh we initially were going to put him in the tournament and we had to make a switch. And we basically, we had a long-term push involved in, in mind for him from the beginning. But when Del Rio didn't show up, we were like, okay, here's a real, here's a real opportunity for you, dude. Like last second, gonna go wrestle a guy who's, he works hard, he's a, he's a big dude and he likes to show it. And like you said, Nick, he did. He got thrown around that ring, two segments. And mm -hmm. he came back and said, thank you to everybody. and. He, honestly, he was made in the shade after that. It just took him a few months to figure it out. So, um, so Jeremy, uh, you mentioned before you came in that because you uh, 
noticed that the social media could use a little bit more attention. And then at some point, I remember just sticking a microphone in your hand, and then you were a backstage announcer, like out of nowhere, when you were just trying to take some photos to put on post on that social media. Um, what do you remember? What that situation was? It's my memory's a little foggy. I'm not not totally sure. Yeah, uh, Mick may know better than I do, but I, I think I think uh, they just had a lack of of people at the time. They were they were uh, running low. A couple mm -hmm. people couldn't make it, and I think David even David Marquez even maybe suggested why don't you give McPeak a shot? Mm -hmm. And um, so it's having grown up watching wrestling and always pretended to uh, call matches when I was a kid using my Star Wars and GI Joe figures. Um, it, uh, I, I was excited to give it a shot, and I was pretty nervous the first uh, few times, and uh, but really fell in love with it quickly. And then eventually, yeah. Mick, Mick gave me the shot to do play-by-play, -play, which I was terrified of. I even remember <laughs> messaging you the night before and saying, I, I don't know about this. I, I think you're making a mistake <laughs> doing this, because uh, I, I just had no clue. Uh, even though I've watched wrestling forever and, and knew wrestling inside and out, just the idea of like knowing when to throw to commercial and, and when to pause to let my, my partner talk and, and when to uh, talk about, you know, to wrap up a show, whatever it was, all that stuff just, just terrified me because it's not really things I'd ever thought of before. It's um, and, and you are, you are correct. Uh, it, it was the, the call, the call to give the stick to you the first time came from Dave. Um, we, and as does every call of any talking head we put on the air, like sure. he is, he, he very, he very much, uh, that's a huge part of the United presentation style. Um, and that style guide is written and contained entirely between the ears of one Dave Marquez. And so yeah. it is, uh, but he has, a but he has a real knack for it. Like he points at somebody and goes, that guy can do that. And lo and behold, they can. And so, uh, as soon as we, like, I don't think you did a bad promo. I think we, I think you were money from the first take backstage. And that's that's why when we needed a new play-by-play, -play, it was a very 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 easy thing to go. Now Jeremy can do this. Uh, right personality, right engagement with the camera, something unique and something classic at the same point in time. And that's not something you can really coach. You either you either are that person or you're not. And everything else that you can coach, uh, you study harder than we coach. So there's, <laughs> <laughs> there's uh, there is uh, that is a that is a decision uh, I have never regretted for even a second, and I'm very very relieved to have had been lucky enough to be in the opportunity to make it. So well, thank, thank you. you. I, that means a lot to me, as you know. You're a good friend, and and I always hear people tell horror stories about. Uh, I don't know, maybe not horror stories, but always tell stories about Vince McMahon yelling at people in their ear when they're on broadcast. And it's just the opposite with Mick. He's always feeding us good lines and coaching us and telling us, hey, that was a great line or get prepared for this. And so I, I don't think I could do it if you weren't in my ear, uh, kind of helping me along the way. You should have heard Billy that. Trask uh, talking to the, the camera operators <laughs> and the, uh, and, uh, and, you know, by extent, the announcers as well, the commentators. He is maybe not anything too aggressive, but certainly a very colorful uh, mouth on that young man. Good to know. I'll be prepared. <laughs> he does. You get a, you get a really good, uh, you get a really good play-by-play uh, -play from the, from the back from Billy about, you know, how his digestive issues are handling that day. So, <laughs> um, so Jeremy, uh, what, uh, okay. So you're given the opportunity to, to be a backstage announcer, a backstage uh, interviewer. Uh, what are some of, like, who are some of the people that you uh, felt that you work well with when inter conducting an interview with them? Or some maybe people who left a lasting impression on you? Oh, good question. Um, I think Alex Salyers and, and I always had a really good chemistry together. Um, he was a lot of fun. In fact, I remember Mick telling me at one point that 
you're a coach and he's the rock. Just kind of, kind of mm. go with that. And so um, Alex would kind of always grab my tie and grab me by the throat and, and, you know, give me a hard time, kind of bully me a little bit, but we had a lot of fun together. Um, EJ Sparks was always great to work with, uh, Ray Rosas. Um, I really enjoyed uh, interviewing uh, Willie Mack backstage um, when he was there for, I, I think it was the 2019 Grand Canyon Clash. Mm-hmm. Um, but my favorite one was um, the Keepers of the Faith. And I'd never met them. I literally met them as they were walking onto, onto in camera with me. And uh, about 10 seconds into the interview, um, Gallo grabbed his chain and, and wrapped it around my neck and started slowly squeezing as I was trying to talk. <laughs> we hadn't planned that out in advance. I had no idea it was coming. And he pretty much left the chain around my neck for the rest of the promo. And so as I was like trying to wrap it up, I was is uh, trying to get the words out. But, it, but that was actually fun. It was, uh, it was a nice little ad lib on his part. Yeah, very good. That was a great promo. Turn turn Jeremy into Jacob Marley like that. <laughs> <laughs> Anything. Um, so you mentioned crowning the first champion back at that uh, that show in Phoenix. Um, so we've had several notable champions in Arizona. So uh, first being Gino uh, Gino Rivera, uh, crowned the or coined the yes. I told you so uh, in that match, I believe, or maybe the promo right before it, and really drove that home. Um, I'd say after the match. So, what? Uh, how was it working with Gino Rivera for such a such a long time? Really having him as the face of, of that uh, company for that title. Uh, I loved working with Gino, and uh, I, uh, I I take nothing away from him to correct you and say I coded the I told you so. Mm-hmm. Um, and uh, it was that was it was the basis of the character. Um, it was that when uh, when he won. I think if you looked at the eight people who were in that field, I, it, he was maybe seventh, maybe eighth going into it in terms of the person that people thought would win. Mm-hmm. But I, I love working with Chino because he is so good, so good at making people hate him. Like, you know, that extra little smug, smarmy, punkish, doesn't care, is going to tell you how great he is and then kick you in the nuts and run away. Like, you know, like I... Uh, it's so much fun to work with a heel like that, particularly if you have a, a great baby face. And I think that that, um, for me, that first run between Gino and EJ, some of my favorite wrestling that we ever did, because mm-hmm. it was real. It was just real, real wrestling. Our first Grand Canyon clash, which will live in infamy for many, many reasons, um, including the gavel on a pole match, which I'm sure we'll talk about. <laughs> Um, um, that's one of my favorite finishes, uh, cause we did the, um, we did the false finish, uh, where, uh, uh, Gino pretended EJ had hit him with the belt and EJ got, uh, got disqualified. And mm-hmm. I think that that was the first time we had ever provoked such a real reaction out of the fans at the yeah. dial. Like, Man, you know, they were mad. They were. They were, and we ended up going because of Gino. We would go on to piss them off quite a bit, um, and so uh, I uh, I thought his promos were great. Uh, I thought his facial expressions were great. Uh, I loved what he would do between matches. Uh, his Instagram work uh, mm-hmm. was really good. Yeah, like, he would write he would write songs about how much he enjoyed beating up EJ and then he was in them. <laughs> like, <laughs> like I loved it. Um, we were, uh, we're, we were working a program with him coming off the title loss that was going to see him go on strike. Uh, he's still there. 
Uh, and so as far as I'm concerned, that program's still running. And we'll see what's we'll see what happens in the future. Gino was fantastic. I, I, I at that point I remember I was a, a, also doing social media and the backstage interviews, but also photography. And I remember taking a few photos of him where he'd jump into the crowd and stand on seats and just open his arms, and the crowd is just like screaming. Like I literally thought they were going to tear him apart. Um, seeing how hot the Nile Theater was for him and how angry they were at him. Uh, and then how about uh, Mick? You didn't mention uh, EJ Sparks' mom who actually grabbed a chair and was going to be head towards the ring at one point because she was so upset about what had happened to her son. And uh, his sister had to calm her down and say, no, mom, you know, you can't get in the ring with a chair. <laughs> uh, the, uh, the, 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 uh, um, the rush of mama sparks, yes. uh, you know, the, 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 you know, the chair swinging brigade coming uh, was one of my favorite moments, but that was actually not Gino's fault. That was, uh, that was, was that occurred. One that, no, that EJ finally beat Gino for the championship, like mm -hmm. finally did, won it clean. It was done. It was AZ 100, which to that point mm -hmm. was our biggest show. And to this day, I think still one of our best, like, like we, yeah, that was we great. crushed that event. Um, but the best part uh, of it was that at the end of it, uh, we had the silver spotlight, which is basically the PV3. Um, we have the silver spotlight and we had awarded it. It was the first one. People forgot it existed. Like we had given it to the agents of chaos and they had been doing promos about how it was dumb and they weren't going to use it. And like, you know, it was, you know, they took it so that people couldn't have it and they were hating on it. And then EJ wins. And Nick, uh, Nick were you the referee? I think you were. I was. Yeah. So I, I got the title uh, from the timekeeper, um, but I actually never got to hand it to EJ. Um, so before, but between the, the bell for the match ringing to end, and uh, I guess the moments when I would have walked over to him, the agents of chaos had already come out, you know, walking it, almost like about to present it to EJ. And then like, oh, I'm like, oh, OK, I guess the match is happening. We're doing this. We're doing this. Hold up the title, hold up the cup. And uh, well, what happened next? Uh, and out, uh, out come the agents of chaos. They came right past the camera, which created that really cool shot. They came right right past the hard cam into the ring. And EJ, to his credit, uh, when that match started, I think everybody thought he had nothing left in the tank. He found some extra. He even almost pinned uh, Evan Daniels, but uh, in the end just couldn't, couldn't overcome and uh, couldn't beat a fresh Evan Daniels, particularly with our three at ringside. And, uh, EJ became the shortest-lived champion uh, in Arizona history, uh, a title reign that was measured in seconds. Um, yeah. And uh, but he made up for it. What are you missing most right now, Mick? Obviously, it's been, gosh, almost four months. Feels like four years since our last show. Um, I think we had to can't. We pulled the plug on the Grand Canyon Clash like three days before, right after the NBA canceled their season and the NHL did, and we just realized yeah, we we can't go through with this right now. And uh, that that hurts. Um, yeah. Still does. That, yeah. Yeah. That hurt. Cause that was probably the best book show we'd had. There were so many, there were so many pieces of that, that were, that we were really just looking forward to, including uh, a huge surprise, which uh, won't be repeated, but I don't know if it's my story to tell, but there was something huge that was going to happen there. Uh, but uh, uh, say la vie. What I, but I really, what I think I miss most of all, is uh, I miss, I love the hours leading up to a show. 
Like I love when we're waking up and pulling whatever's left of ourselves from the night before uh, together, hopping in the van, going to the theater, having a nice cup of coffee, production meeting, promos, setting up the ring. And I love it because everybody, you, you never get a better sense. Uh, Casey Beals, who is uh, one of our, he's our hard cam operator, gets a lot of great behind the scenes photos. And yeah. those are the ones I've actually found myself going to look at on the moments where I miss it. Because you just get a sense of what a community it is and what a collective it is and how strong everybody is in their roles and how they don't need to be told what to do. They know what to do. Everybody operates, works together. Everybody's got a good personality. Everybody gets along. And it's just, it's fun to be in there and feel that energy so much so that like when the crowd shows up, you know, you just kind of feel like you've spent like hours and hours making a meal and just put it on the table. And a crowd shows up and eats it, and usually they are pretty happy for it. So that I miss those moments. Yeah, absolutely. See, how about you? Yeah, for me, it's it's uh, it's missing all the people. Um, you know, I, I I've been again, I've been a fan of wrestling my whole life, but but uh, once I kind of became a regular part of our show, I guess I got to know everybody, and just it's it's just amazing how what uh what chemistry there is between everybody and what a family it's really like um it's not it's it's really different than anything else i've been a part of um all of the different professional sporting events i've worked over the years um you know the athletes who you see every day um they just kind of say hey and keep on going but um when you go to the the nile theater and see all the other guys they're you know they're excited to see you they genuinely look forward to giving you a hug and asking you how you're doing and how's your family and what's going on with work and what's, what's new with your life. And like, it's really, it, the camaraderie really surprised me. I didn't expect that. And uh, so I really miss that. And of course I miss just calling the action and being, being, being seeing the matches and the fans and, and all of it. That's I'm with you. I actually have a question for you both. If I can ask, uh, I have oh, my yeah, opinion, but I, I'm, I'm, I'm interested since you've both worked the show. I think that we have a very, very strong, uh, we, both Jeremy and I have commented on the camaraderie. I have a theory that that comes from feeling like we were the B show, so we had everything to prove, um, and that it, it, it got a lot of people. I think there's something about being on the B show where you go, okay, we all have to be good if we want to go on to the next thing. Like you can't just, you really can't kind of go into business for yourself, nor should you ever. It's not really the way to do it, but I think it kind of helped people who are on the show appreciate the opportunity and realize that the show getting good allowed them to get better. But I'd love to know what your thoughts were. Uh, yeah, I'll jump in. I absolutely agree with that. Um, I think a thing that Arizona has as well is the fact that there are fewer resources than there are for Hollywood. Um, and so that enables people to be multifaceted because they have to be. Um, sometimes yeah. at Hollywood, uh, we have more producers than we have jobs. And so, yeah. Things get uh, you know divvied up in a pretty pretty widespread thing, but uh, at Arizona, say for Peter, for example, um, uh, producer Peter Avalon is not just the ring name. Like he's producing, he's you know he's producing all the matches. He's producing refs and commentary or on uh, in their earpieces. He's standing there at, at uh, promos with us. He's doing all of this stuff besides all the things that he did to get us to the show to begin with, just like you, Mick. Like, um, and if Pete wasn't ready for that role by having you know been given that opportunity. Um, and then having to live up to it, uh, then I don't think he would be where he is today. But uh, I would say in, in that same token, I, I'm, I feel like I fit into that same boat. I came in as a ref pretty much only who did rinker sometimes. And uh, based on, you know, based on the need for 
there being more, I was able to take, uh, you know, take as much as I wanted, essentially. Um, and so I like I definitely agree that that uh, helps, you know, bring bring that together. Uh, and from the wrestler standpoint, uh, I yeah, I absolutely agree with you to the point where uh, when guys do end up going out to Hollywood or to other shows, um, uh, it, it is I I hope that they do feel like, you know, they absolutely everything in the Arizona show is what got them there. And I, I want to give a quick cool. shout out to uh, Sweet Robin Shaw and Scott Johnson, mm -hmm. referee Scott Johnson, who both uh, chimed in there on the Facebook chat. Uh, glad that you guys are joining us here on uh, Facebook Live. Thank you for watching. Miss both you guys. Um, in, terms of, uh, in terms of the, your question, Mick, I was never really involved in Hollywood previously. Um, now, of course, I'm helping with the Hollywood Social and United Wrestling Social, so I am more today. But So I never really felt the B show idea, the concept of that, I guess, like you guys probably mm -hmm. did. But, but for me, it was more of um, all of us wanting to prove ourselves because there aren't, there isn't really uh, uh, a regular wrestling promotion in Arizona. And, and, mm -hmm. but there's a lot of wrestling fans here. WWE brought, brought Royal Rumble here and brought the rest, brought WrestleMania here. So a lot of wrestling fans here. So it's kind of wanting to prove ourselves and let people know we're, we're there and that we are worth coming out to see because we've got a great product and it's a lot of fun. So, so that's what I always felt in, in myself personally, that wanting to want to show everybody what we were, what we're all about, what championship wrestling of Arizona is. That's awesome. um, yeah, sometimes when you when you're kind of given that label, uh, I guess unofficially of being that B show, sometimes you really have to make a little bit more noise. And uh, definitely having a great show will do that, but also having insane, ridiculous wrestling things happen will do that. Um, a thing I'm often asked is what I think is missing from wrestling, and I really want wrestling to be wild the way it used to be wild. Yes, um, um, and that can mean a lot of things, but I don't. I I feel like you guys understand what I mean, and I think Arizona has been able to capture some of that. Uh, wild nature in a way that almost you can't get away with a championship wrestling from Hollywood. I would agree um, with that. Yeah. You mentioned before, you, before you kind of uh, went through this quickly, Mick, but uh, there, we had a gavel on a pole match, uh, which resulted <laughs> in the producer of our show losing control of the TV show um, yeah, to, of all people, Ryan Morrill's the biggest crybaby we've had in Arizona history. Um, it's true. And it completely changed the, the whole, you know, the whole scheme of the show for a month or two. Um, and uh, I think that's something that we're very proud of, but it's also something that I don't think anyone really expected. So if that's what it's going to, you know, if, that's just a small example, I think, of all the things that we've done in the last couple of years in Arizona um, as something that uh, that we were, you know, able to accomplish by making a little bit of different kind of noise. Um, so if you, you know, call it the B show if you want, but I, I, you know, like I said, you can get away with stuff in Arizona that that Hollywood doesn't have a chance to. So. Oh, I don't, I don't think of it at the B show when we were given it, we were given it as a B show. Right. And I think that that, you know, and that's, those are my favorite kind of opportunities though, where, and that's the kind of opportunities that we distribute down there, which is here you go, make something out of it. You know, like it's, we're not going to tell you what to do. We're going to give you an opportunity, make something out of it. So, um, but I love that example that you're using because when, when Peter lost the show to Ryan Morals. That was a really good example of the entire cast participating in an angle, like mm -hmm. from the referees to the commentators, <laughs> to the other, uh, to the, to, to the, <laughs> every women's wrestler and valet and manager had to dress up like a Puritan. Um, every, <laughs> every referee and commentator had to wear turtlenecks. Which uh, I liked. Hey. I, I liked that a lot. Uh, but as I know, cause it helped. I mean, 
he'll keep my earpiece in and all kinds of stuff. I know it's very, it could be very warm, but uh, I think Scott Johnson has another comment here. Yeah, he did not. <laughs> Scott, it was important for the aesthetic. Where's your art, Cenas? I like how Scott changed his photo right before this so that he can show off that he's been he's been pumping in solitary. <laughs> You're looking good, brother. You're looking real good. Um, and I saw a masked Joe Galley, who, of course, we all know, died in 2018. Poor Joe. So, yeah. rest, rest in his, peace. His ghost is tweeting to us right now. We love Joe Galley. So what are some of the other crazy matches you guys have thought about? I remember there was – I don't remember the details, but there was some talk about getting Ryan Morrill's cats involved. I don't know if it was a cat collar match or a cat on a pole. I don't remember what it was. There was something to do with cats. We, we ended up going with something similar. We had him wrestle against the felines. And oh, that's right. Trying, oh, my gosh. He just kept trying to play with them instead of pin them. Um, <laughs> one, of my, man, one of my favorite Ryan Morrill's things from when he was in control of the show, which, by the way, he changed the name of the show from Championship Wrestling from Arizona to uh, the champ – was it the – Championship Wrestling Ryan, Hour, the, Ryan, Ryan J. Morrill's Championship, Championship Wrestling, Wrestling Hour for Good Boys. For Good, for good Boys, boys. that's yeah. what it was. Yeah, that was it. <laughs> um, and uh, a, th a thing that he that he did that that probably was my favorite part of his, besides all the, the turtlenecks and all the actual physical aesthetics of the show, is uh, he kept unsuccessfully uh, trying to go for the Arizona State title. He just couldn't beat Gino, he, and he booked himself a couple of weeks in a row in the match, and he just couldn't beat him. Um, partly out of just like his own ineptitude. I think one, one match he just kept getting counted out or he kept getting like, uh, he just could not keep the rules in, in check enough to, to even just have a competent match. So rules wise. Um, so that's one of my favorite things from, from the uh, Ryan Morrill's run of the, of the Arizona program. <laughs> it was, uh, it, 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 uh, it really was kind of transformative because I think coming out of that, it kind of cemented the other half, like, um, because that kind of, that kind of hit its peak at Grand Canyon Clash one, which was March 17, I think 2018. And, um, uh, the, the gavel on a pole was also there. And so I think coming out of that, it really kind of defined the show from there on in. It was that we will do the kind of wild thing and we will go all in on the wild thing. But at the same time, there's also some really strong, good old-fashioned wrestling feuds. Uh -huh. And we kind of came out of that Grand Canyon Clash with both. Like, we had a number of different storylines set up. When we, when we took over the show, there wasn't really any storylines to inherit, you know? And it spoke to the challenges of booking the territory. Let's just say nothing any of the people who came before us. Um, but by the time we hit that Grand Canyon Clash, we were kind of all story all the way. And I think that that's one of the things we're very proud mm -hmm. of is that if you work for us for long enough, you get a story like, mm -hmm. and usually it's not very long. And it's one of the things, and I, sorry to steal the mic for a second here, but I just want to say Please. like, cause I know a lot of our guys are watching and I want them to know, I, I say this behind their back and to their face, which is the amount of effort that goes into determining a storyline is the same. Like if you are working on a story, you are working on a story, whether it has a belt, whether you're winning in it or losing in it, if you're in a story, somebody cares enough about you to work on a story, like, you know? And I feel like that is something that, uh, that doesn't get understood enough. Like if people understood the degree to which Peter and I fret over the, you know, the bottom of the card, I think they would be very surprised. Mm -hmm. 
Uh, I'd like to bring up, a, I think, a very important moment uh, in Arizona history for the sake of collaborating with other uh, other companies. And that was when we had Nick Aldis defend the NWA World's Championship against Peter Avalon. Um, what did it take to get that match to happen, Nick? Um, so uh, when Aldis first won, he was on the Aldis Crusade. And I thought that was a great idea that the NWA had to just kind of showcase the legacy and how like the NWA has always existed. And it was basically, he said, if you've ever been a former champion, you get a shot at me. And uh, on a delightful technicality, well, not technicality, apparently Peter pinned Colt Cabana in the first episode ever of Championship Wrestling from Hollywood. Uh, the circumstances of that are inconsequential. It went on the books, it counted. <laughs> and so, um, and so we started, this was the rise of producer Peter Avalon. So he had, he had a platform and he decided to use it as a bad producer would to go into business for himself. <laughs> and uh, he, and so we, we, uh, we worked on the NWA for a while. We got the match booked. Uh, travel technicality scrubbed the match. And we found out two days before uh, the NWA, um, uh, was incredibly gracious. Uh, they, they, you know, they could have easily just said, yep, eh, them's the breaks guys. Uh, but no, they, um, they made a tremendous effort to make things right. Uh, and, uh, their leadership team, including Billy himself came to the event and brought Tim storm. And the crowd initially was like, that was the former champion. We don't care, but we decided to put him and Peter together and, mm -hmm. That was not supposed to be anything other than a, oops, we're sorry, but it was gold. Yeah, <laughs> like it was, it was so good that it ended up doing more to help us than I think the championship would have at that point mm -hmm. in time. Um, because it really, once again, showcased the strength of our venue, the strength of our crowd, the quality of our production, and just the overall value of our program. Because the NWA didn't have a TV show at that point in time. They were borrowing from us. And so yeah. once Tim Storm showed up for like the next two, three weeks, the NWA's YouTube channel all had the championship wrestling from Arizona, little bug mm -hmm. in the corner. And that was pretty cool to see. Um, of course. That led to Tim. Tim is so popular in Arizona. He might be the most popular wrestler in Arizona. Like Tim I would Bay, say they, they, they call Nick Aldis a national treasure, but Tim Storm is absolutely a national treasure of his own. Absolutely. I mean, yeah. Nick Aldis is a national treasure, just not of this nation. Uh, if I had to pick one for this nation, I would pick <laughs> Tim Storm. Um, <laughs> so, um, but yeah, it, um, it, it ended up where we were able to do some business with the NWA when they had, you know, champions. We've had the national champion. We've had other, uh, we had the TD champion booked, but we didn't get to do that. And ultimately it uh, allowed us uh, the, the story between Peter and Tim went all the way to Nashville at NWA mm -hmm. 70 um, and made it onto a huge legendary card right there is a grudge match, Peter Avalon and Tim Storm. It was so cool. So, uh, but uh we just started lobbying like crazy. We just started having Peter cut promos, even not knowing if Nick was ever going to show up. And we just did some real nasty stuff on the, uh, on the, uh, on the internet and created a buzz and the NWA was kind enough to finally send him. And it was great. And if I remember correct, Mick, that episode with that match 
had the had higher ratings that week here in Arizona on TV than both Raw and AEW and SmackDown. Really? SmackDown huh. just debuted yeah, on we, Fox, and we we beat all three of those in the TV man. ratings here in Arizona that week. Yes, we were That's the top-rated cool. wrestling program in Arizona for one week. <laughs> and that you might you might say that that's well. What is that? I'll tell you what that is. That's everything that counts. Absolutely, <laughs> so. absolutely. Man, that was early in the Wednesday night wars too, and we we uh, we got a win on late late Sunday night. <laughs> yep, yep. That's it's it's us and uh, it's us in the my pillow, but you know. <laughs> <laughs> so. What's it called? So a question that's been coming up a lot lately uh, in re- in regards to Arizona is uh, when are we going to get Arizona tag team champions? I don't want to, I don't want to show too many cards, uh, but suffice to say uh, we did share with the public that it was a goal for 2020, which is, this is our fourth, fourth season. So we had a season four goal of improving the tag team division. Um, and I, I, I think we're making good on that goal. Uh, you've seen the rise of the highway, man. We've taken two wildly popular singles wrestlers, put them together into an equally as popular and, and really good tag team. And Alex Salyers and Richie Slade. Uh, we've brought the Keepers of the Faith in. You've seen tag teams like uh, Tough and Cool and <laughs> Sweet and Sour. Money Lemons and, sour. and our boys. The pair of legals. Yep. Uh, the pair of, I was just going to say. And then, of course, like, you know, the the... You know, you, you you have to build it all around around the centerpiece in the middle, which is the trot. You know, we started calling them the greatest tag team in Arizona history. And I haven't found anyone who's raised their hand and said, I don't agree. As soon as we started calling them that, mm-hmm. like everybody, everybody was like, yeah, they are. Because because they are. Like, I was, okay, so, I agents was, of chaos may not agree with that, but but everybody else would. I was just watching a, a Hollywood throwback match that we aired last week for Heritage Hall. Um, it's a four-way, uh, yeah, a four-way tag for the uh, the Hollywood Heritage tag titles, and the tribe are in that. And Navajo, uh, Navajo Warrior, and Hawaiian Lion look so much stronger and more, you know, frightening today than they did ten yeah. years ago. I thought the so, same thing. I'm just saying, if anyone's been following, uh, if anyone's been following Navajo's uh, Instagram or even uh, Hawaiians, that they are. I mean, the show might be on a hiatus for the time being, but those guys are going to come back stronger than ever. I really. Uh, my heart goes out to whoever steps across the ring from them on that first first outing. Good gosh, Be- beasts—they uh, have been—they've been, when, they've been when lifting they were cars. And, by the oh, go ahead. No, they've they've been lifting cars and tires and and uh, trees and all kinds of stuff. They they they've been machines working on working on their bodies right now. It's been uh, it's been impressive to see, um, and they are frightening. Uh, I ran out one time to help them after they had been laid out by the keepers of the faith one of my jobs i gotta run out help the guys to the back if they've been a little bit too banged up and nav uh was not really with it and so when i came out and gave him a nudge he thought the fight was still going and he took a swing at me and i gotta tell you i was like uh i was like the the woman from tom and jerry when she sees the mouth and like (laughs) (laughs) i I think I jumped back like seven feet, like I'd been set on fire. I was like, I'm going to die. Like, I'm going to die. <laughs> Blind, angry Navajo warrior is coming for me. I'm going to die. And we have set someone on fire, kind of, in Arizona. Uh, Oliver Grimsley threw a fireball at Ray Rosas, which is how he won the TV title. So, be careful what you say, because it will or has already been an Arizona storyline. I forgot about that. <laughs> true. It was, uh, the, that was the first. Yeah, that was the 
That was the first United level, tag, uh, excuse me, uh, United level championship to change hands in Arizona soil. Was the mm. was the TV title? Yeah. We talked about crazy matches, but we didn't talk about the Tomb of Terror. And I believe Grimsley. Is Grimsley here? Oh man, he, he, I, I'm always worried. <laughs> uh. <laughs> he was he was tweeting me from beyond the grave or from the inside of the tomb, I guess. Yeah, I think he uh, said last he was still, week. Uh, still in the tomb, I think. Well, I said it to him there, and I'll say it to you guys again. I'm, he's, he should just be thankful that I installed a Wi-Fi receiver in that thing so I could listen to podcasts while I painted it. So as long as he's getting Wi-Fi, he can stay on Twitter, I guess. That's a, it, it's a, it, people, it's deceivingly large. You know, you think it's only about this big, but you look in there, and i got to tell you, it just kind of goes on forever. Once, once you go in, God knows where you end up. So, And unfortunately, poor Oliver found that out the hard way. I'm trying to remember, in that... Uh, there was an episode of The Simpsons where there was a bunch of Major League Baseball players joined the Power Plants softball team. Uh-oh. Um, and someone steps into essentially a bottomless pit. Was it Mike Sosha? I don't remember. But somebody, Mick, you would know this if you can hear me. Um, he's just kind of falling forever as, as the episode continues. So I kind of picture that might be what Oliver Grimsley is experiencing. We lost Mick, but I, I don't remember that episode, although I did watch The Simpsons for many years. But... It is a classic. Um, yeah. I, I Let's go to the chat for a moment. Ozzy Smith. Smith. Yeah, Thank yeah, you. There you Sorry. There you go. There's another familiar face. Justice, good to see you. She, she wants to know about the, uh, the girls coming up. And I saw someone else ask about the, the women's wrestling as well. Hey, so uh, Justice asks, or she says, I think the guys need to worry about the girls coming up. Uh, talk a little bit about the women's division that we're developing in Arizona. Uh, that was another big goal. Uh, we started working on that one last year. Um, that was for the first two seasons. Uh, that was probably the question we got the most, which is, where's the women's division? When are we gonna When are we gonna see a women's division in uh, in Arizona? It was always a goal, um, and because it was a goal, we didn't want to do it poorly. So we spent a lot of time looking at who could participate in such a thing. Uh, we've really started to grow it. Um, uh, obviously, Morgan uh, has been our ace. Uh, she was undefeated until the very last day of season three. And uh, she's had a, she has had a rocky start to season four, um, but we've been able to bring uh, some real talent to town. Uh, we've had Heather Monroe down there. We've had Ruby Rays down there. Mm-hmm. And we've also seen some real strong, uh, some real strong young talent step in. Uh, Bryn Thorne comes mm-hmm. to mind in a San Fran Moon. Moon. Yep. Yep. Course, yeah. uh, and so, um, and I am, I, I feel terribly because I'm, I'm, I'm leaving some folks out, but it has been, uh, Oh, uh, Leslie Iris, Anna May. Um, yep. Um, it, it's been, uh, it's been a work in progress, uh, but it has been a work with focus. Uh, it is something that's very, very important to us. We don't consider it. Uh, we, we take it very seriously. So it's very important to be good. Um, because if it's not good, uh, it's just the fact of the, it's just the simple fact of the world is that women's wrestlers are going to be criticized in a way that men's wrestlers are not. And so, and it's not fair, it's not right, but it's reality. And because of that, we want to make sure that we are doing our best to put them in a position where the quality of their output is seen for what it is and not to have to put them in, in a situation where we didn't set them up for the success that they are able to achieve. One of the marquee matches for the Grand Canyon Clash was going to be uh, Ruby Rays versus Morgan in a, in a, I guess, the third of their series. So that's one that yeah. I'm disappointed we didn't get to see. 
Uh, Mick, do you have a feel for when, when, whenever we return? I know, I know we don't know when that is, but when we return, do you think uh, we'll try to stick with the same kind of card that we had for the for the clash lined up? Um, as of you, right now, you, you talked about that. Yeah, it's it's funny you mentioned that, Jeremy. I looked at the card actually uh, preparing for this, um, and I hadn't looked at it in a while. Uh, most of it still works. So um, it's really just going to, it'll depend on, you know, we were using a number, uh, a lot of, as, as always, most of our biggest matches uh, were between the members of our cast, which is what we really try to do. We try to make sure that the people at the top of the card are the people who you're going to see the following week. Um, obviously, there are always exceptions to that, but we're really just kind of at this point looking at a couple of travel schedules from some fly-ins to see if we can still do it. And... Uh, maybe sharing too much of how the soup is made, but hopefully we can get a cage. <laughs> so um, I think if we can do those things, I would imagine that the Grand Canyon Clash will go on in its original form in the future. So as we're kind of starting to wind down here, uh, I'm curious if the both of you have uh, an idea of what you want the legacy of championship wrestling from Arizona to look like. What do you want that legacy to be? You want me to go first, Mick? Uh, yeah, I'd like to think about that. So, <laughs> so. <laughs> you know, I think, um, well, hopefully, the, hopefully we're around for a long time. So hopefully nobody's talking about our legacy, you know, for another 10, 10, 10 or 20 years. But, um, you know, I, I think hopefully that local wrestling fans came, had a blast, always enjoyed coming to our shows, um, really felt like it was uh, worthwhile time and money, and and they're glad that they were a part of our audience over the years, our, our AZ crazies, um, and that they got to see a, a lot of talented uh, wrestlers who, who went on to bigger and better things. You know, we've had guys like uh, Cross and, and um, uh, Carl Fredericks and Jungle Boy and mm -hmm. Scorpio Sky, and we've had a lot of guys come through Arizona that have wrestled for us who've gone on already, and of course, Peter Avalon, we can't talk about, can't forget to talk about the librarian, but um, so that they, they got to see some amazing talent and wrestlers um, here um, early on and can always say, oh, I remember seeing that person in Arizona. Those shows were great. That, that's really what I think uh, I, I would like our legacy to be. That's tough to follow. I'm now regretting letting you go first. But, uh, <laughs> the, um, I, I think I will just add on to that by saying this. I, I think that ultimately um, what I will look to uh, for the success of the show in the long run is we have done a really, really great job of drawing children into the audience. Mm. Um, yeah. And I have that's for me the funnest part. Um, is like when I like, you know, a lot of the photos Jeremy takes, like, I love watching kids dying to catch a lemon. <laughs> <laughs> it's just a lemon, but because Manny Lemons is throwing it, they want it. I love the kids who stand on their chairs and point and yell and say, you're mean, I don't like, you know, like I, um, the kids that bring signs, you know, the kids who are there with their moms and their dads and their grandmothers and their grandfathers who are passing on the love of wrestling and, uh, I have had a number of different parents uh, reach out to me a lot um, to tell, uh, to thank us and thank the show, or they posted it on social media and Jeremy's retweeted it or regrammed it saying, you know, took them to the first show today. They loved it. It was such a great time. Like, you know, that's, 
I'm I, like, to me, I'm really hopeful that someday, you know, I'm old and tired and still watching wrestling and, you know, whoever ends up being on top at that point in time, you know, let's say it's AEW, um, you know, but like the AEW world champion says, you know, when I saw my first match, when I knew I wanted to do this forever, there was a gavel hanging on a pole. <laughs> <laughs> so, gosh. um, Speaking of families and moments like that, uh, a couple of weeks ago we were talking with family man Ray Rosas, uh, who is the current Arizona State champion, holds that belt very proudly. Um, and uh, I was kind of asking him about what he thinks are some of the markers for United, whether it's Hollywood or Arizona. And the thing he was very quick to bring up uh, was the fact that for Arizona, uh, both Mick, both you and Peter know the cast so well that it enables you to create these stories that work on a better level beyond even the sum of their parts. Um, and that's something that uh, Hollywood, which has a more spread out cast, either Northern California, Las Vegas, Arizona, other states, um, that we don't get afforded as much because we're not always uh, uh, getting to collaborate with the same people. And so I think the great advantage that you guys have is that you get to know uh, not only the wrestlers as wrestlers, but you get to know them as people as well. Um, and developing that relationship over a couple of years uh, really enables these stories to transcend the TV screen and really make that those meanings. So when you talk about, you know, we want someone in the future to point to, uh, you know, point to the TV and say, I, I saw this ridiculous thing in, uh, you know, in Mesa. And that's what made me say, I, I want to do that. Uh, like, I think it starts right from the core of where you guys are thinking. So um, for me, I hope for Arizona's legacy um, is being able to collaborate like that. Um, and create the best stories because of the relationships that you guys have forged. Thank you, man. I really, and that's really nice to hear. And that's a hell of a compliment coming from Ray, who is probably pro wrestling's most, un, uh, most valuable unsigned talent. Hint, hint, hint. Someone <laughs> yes. sign Ray Rosas. Like, so that's my, that's my response to Ray. All right, guys. Uh, Mick, where can we find you online? Uh, pretty much just on Instagram these days because I run my mouth too much and piss people off. Uh, and so, uh, I, what is my handle on Instagram? I don't even know. Uh, is it Mick I Two am, Greenwood? Nope, I am at Mick Greenwood. There okay. you go. Oh, I should probably also point out my band, The Bottom Dollars, released a record. Hey. We, we recorded it in Hollywood and uh, mastered it through Capitol Records. It's on Spotify. It's called Marvelous. And according to the review that we just got. It is. So. <laughs> Excellent. Well, make sure to check that out. Thank you. How about you, Jeremy? Where can I we can find you? I, I can verify that. The record's fantastic. I listen to it all the time when taking the dog for a walk. So I love it. And uh, go check out the bottom dollars on Spotify for sure. Um, I am just at Jeremy, J-E-R-A-M-I-E. -E. You can see it right there. Uh, see right there. Um, on Twitter, Facebook, and Instagram. I've got it on all three. So follow me on any of those. Also want to give a shout out to Steve Carroll, who says uh, he just started watching our show. Um, and to Britt, one of our biggest fans, who's at every show with her dad. And of course, uh, Captain Caveman of the Steel Cage, who chimed in earlier. Um, they are big uh, sponsors and supporters of the show. So thank you guys for your support and for, for all of you for watching and joining the chat today. Yeah, uh, I am at Nicholas Bonanno, and make sure to follow United on all the social media. So on Twitter, that's at United Wrestling. On Instagram, it's at United Wrestling Network. And same on Facebook and YouTube. So, again, thanks, everyone, for joining us. Watch Championship Wrestling from Arizona. If you have not seen it yet, it's a real treat. Check it out on Fight. So, again, <laughs> thanks, everyone, for joining us. <laughs> and shout-out to everyone who networks with United. 
preceding has been a presentation of the United Wrestling Network.